Go. Hello and welcome to episode 23 of the One British Man podcast. I'm your host Lee and yes this is an English podcast but because we're using natural and inspirational storytelling as the main content it means this podcast is in fact for everyone or at least part one is for everyone. If you don't know how this works part one is a topic conversation. Sometimes I have a guest and sometimes it's just me mumbling to myself about some interesting stuff. The topics are always diverse and the aim is to inspire, excite and energise you with some thought-provoking material. Then we go to part two and this is where you English learners can stick around because we're going to analyse the previous conversation and learn some native expressions, some vocabulary and hopefully some idioms along the way. Today we're diving into a topic that's both intriguing and well perhaps a little controversial. But personally, I don't have a problem with controversy. When you value the individuality of thoughts and opinions, then any discussion that adds value and new perspectives can only be healthy. So what is this topic? Today we're going to talk about how the more conventional procedures involved in childbirth and end-of-life care can potentially strip away the colourful experiences, the beauty and the pure emotion found in these profound moments of life and death. But don't worry, we're going to do this in a light-hearted way and open our minds to some new ideas. Are you ready? So childbirth, let's just hit this topic head on, shall we? Speaking from experience, the birthing process is a personal, beautiful, emotional, spiritual and transformative experience. However, in modern times, we've definitely seen an increase in clinical interventions and convenience-driven processes that can sometimes diminish the more colourful essences of childbirth. By the way, when I say speaking from experience, I mean I was watching from the sideline. I didn't actually give birth to a baby. Now, of course, Medical interventions, for example, can certainly save lives and ensure safety. There is a balance to strike in this conversation. There is a time and place for whitewashed hospital wards and strict procedure. But my question is, does it have to be the default option for a healthy pregnancy? Do those colourless walls and metal beds really match or allow space for the more spiritually connected feelings of life-giving? The medical environment can sometimes make women and the man involved feel like they're on a conveyor belt and the focus shifts from this miraculous act of bringing life into the world to a checklist of procedures. It's crucial to remember that birth isn't a medical event. It's a profound journey for both the mother and the baby. So finding ways to connect to the natural process is something that really deserves our attention, although it's often overlooked. It's about harmonising the medical needs with the emotional and spiritual dimensions of childbirth. Let's shift our focus to end-of-life care, or death as we like to put it. This is also another deeply emotional time where a person transitions from this world. So how do these more clinical procedures impact the beauty of this natural process? 
Our approach to end-of-life care has definitely evolved, but sometimes the focus on prolonging life overshadows and ignores the inevitable outcome of death. Now, death is a taboo subject that we tend to stay away from. It's the way we've been conditioned to view and approach this topic. We're told, focus on the wonders of life, ignore the inevitability of death. But why? Is it scary? Is it depressing? Is it just too complex for us to understand? Of course, death really goes hand in hand with life and needs to be embraced whatever your beliefs are. At present, we refuse to discuss or even think about death and so naturally we are hit with this overwhelming feeling of fear and anxiety when we're face to face with it. We act as if it's not part of our life. But without death, the very concept of life wouldn't exist. There are services and processes in place to take you through the last stages of your life. Hospice care is probably the most common, but there are also other options. The death doula, for example. A death doula might prioritise emotional and spiritual needs over the physical needs. Simply put, the death doula helps to restore sacredness to the dying and can provide respite for exhausted caregivers, shining a light on the natural process and somehow restoring this calm and peace to the situation. We can look at death as an opportunity even for profound connection, closure and reflection. If we integrate holistic care, like involving loved ones, creating comfortable environments and addressing emotional and spiritual needs, we can bring back the beauty and depth to the end of life journey. And we should make this a conscious process. Here's a quote by a man called Stephen Jenkinson. He's a teacher, an author, a spiritual activist and an advocate for grief literacy. He said, The capacity to be together with your loved ones after you've gone will derive from how you died, not what you died of. It derives from how human you can be in the face of something that seduces you away from being human. That's a very interesting thought. Let's just look at some practical ways to approach life-giving and dying with a sense of consciousness, awareness and colour. For childbirth, you can also consider hiring a doula who can provide continuous emotional support and help you navigate thoughts, feelings and decisions during this process. We had a doula on several occasions and I can only recommend it. It was a wonderful experience. You can create a personalised birth plan that incorporates your values and preferences and you should surround yourself with a supportive team of people, a team of people that you want to be there, people you care about, with your loved ones around you. This process is all about you and this is the most important thing. If we look at end-of-life care, it's important to have open conversations with your loved ones. And you can start now. Break that taboo and embrace this phase of life. Build your own feelings on the subject of death and create space for it. You could consider a death doula to help you focus on what's happening to you as a human going through this natural process. Another interesting idea is the death cafe. You can go to a death cafe, which is a place where people drink coffee, eat cake and openly discuss the notion of death. I quite enjoy all of those activities, especially the cake, which ironically could lead to death if I eat too much. 
I'll finish with this idea. Let's remove the darkness, the black and white, the pale and faded, because life and death are both part of a beautiful and colourful tapestry, which we weave in and out of until the picture presents itself. I hope I succeeded in opening your minds to some new ideas regarding life and death. And while your mind is open, I'd like to throw in some useful English language too. So we're going to head over to part two shortly and we're going to analyse this small conversation and pick out some useful phrases and vocabulary for you to use in your wonderful lives. See you there. Today we're going to talk about how the more conventional procedures involved in childbirth Conventional. Conventional. If something is conventional, it follows the generally accepted beliefs or opinions around that activity. An example would be conventional thinking. That means that someone's ideas or opinions are in following with the generally accepted ideas and opinions. Maybe you know the expression to think outside of the box. This is the opposite of thinking conventionally. You can also talk about socially accepted processes and systems as conventional if it's what most people follow. Do you teach your children with conventional methods? Do you treat your illnesses with conventional medicine or alternative medicine? Get it? By the way, when I say speaking from experience, I mean I was watching from the sideline. On the sidelines. Or from the sidelines. If you are on the sidelines or watching from the sidelines, you are not actively participating in the activity. The sideline is the line on the side of a football pitch, for example, and this idiom suggests that you are the substitute, you are not actually playing in the match. It's funny because in football, I don't want to be a sub, but during childbirth, nah, it's fine. I'll just stay here and make the nice smoothies. That's fine with me. There is a balance to strike in this conversation. Striking a balance. Striking a balance. This phrase is commonly used in various contexts when discussing work-life balance, the balance of responsibilities, or when considering priorities. You strike a balance when you are trying to find the right amount of things on each side to create some kind of harmony. I'll give you an example. I want to be with my kids as much as possible but I sometimes need alone time. So it's important for me to strike a balance between these two ideas. It's about harmonising the medical needs with the emotional and spiritual dimensions of childbirth. To harmonise. To harmonise. This comes nicely with striking a balance, actually. So if you harmonise, you are bringing elements or components into agreement with each other or into synchronisation, a state of harmony. It involves making different things work together smoothly and thus creating a smooth and coordinated result. Harmonising can refer to achieving consistency, balance or unity among various elements. It could be colour, musical notes, policies, ideas, actions. Let's look at a few more examples so we can really understand what this means. In order to work efficiently as a team, 
the manager encouraged the employees to harmonize their individual skills and strengths. To harmonize their skills and strengths. To put them together so they synchronize. The government implemented policies to harmonize regulations across different regions to promote consistency. So they wanted to synchronize the regulations to make sure everyone was doing it the same way to harmonize. Of course, death really goes hand in hand with life. Hand in hand. Hand in hand. This idiom typically means two or more things or concepts that are closely associated or interconnected. It suggests a strong and coordinated relationship between those two things. I said that life and death go hand in hand. Sometimes we say go hand in hand. Sometimes we say they come hand in hand. So life and death go hand in hand. They come together and contribute to our existence together. Here are some other things that go hand in hand so you get a better idea. Um, Success and hard work go hand in hand. Love and hate go hand in hand. Fire and smoke, because there's no smoke without fire. Peanut butter and jam go hand in hand. They're like best friends at a sandwich party if that existed. And yes, it is jam, not jelly. Jelly wobbles and is served at birthday parties in 1993. Um, We're not in America now. We say jam, not jelly. Simply put, the death doula helps to restore sacredness. 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 Sacredness is a noun that refers to the quality or state of being sacred. And something that is sacred is regarded with reverence, respect, holiness and divine significance. It's very important, either spiritually or has some kind of religious connection. It can be applied to places, objects, rituals, beliefs or ideas that hold special religious or cultural importance. We can also use the word sacred to casually exaggerate the importance of something. I'll give you two examples, one with the spiritual religious stuff and another one in kind of everyday life. So we could say the ancient temple nestled deep in the forest exuded an aura of profound sacredness, drawing pilgrims from all corners of the world to experience its spiritual significance. Okay, we don't speak like that in everyday life. In everyday life, we say, Oi, don't touch my beer in the fridge. It's sacred. And can provide respite for exhausted caregivers. Respite. Respite. The noun respite refers to a temporary period of rest, relief or delay from something challenging or difficult or something really demanding. It is a brief interval where you can relax recover and take a break from that ongoing stress. Respite is often a welcomed break and provides a sense of refreshment before carrying on with those responsibilities and facing further stress and challenge. Here's a nice example. As the chaos of the family reunion reached its peak, grumpy Uncle Bob declared, I need some respite from all of this happiness and togetherness. So. Grumpy Uncle Bob had had enough of all the joy and he just needed a break 
to get back to his grumpy existence. He needed some respite. Just a little bit more on the pronunciation of this word. In Britain, we say respite. Respite. Almost broken into two words. Respite. And it is a P. Sounds like a B, but it's a P for pite. Respite. You can remember it as rest bite without the T in rest. Respite. It's like a small bite of resting, a small break. In America, they say respite. Respite. Um, why would you say that? That's not what it says. It's got an E at the end. So we say respite because we're not in America now. The capacity to be together with your loved ones after you've gone will derive from how you died, not what you died of. Derive. Derive. In the context I used, if something derives from something or somewhere, it's where it originates from or where it comes from. It's often used when discussing etymology, actually, the history of words. For example, did you know that the word chocolate derives from the Aztec word, I can't say it, zoclatl, zoclatl. Yeah, that's the Aztec word for chocolate. And that's where the word derives from. Life and death are both part of a beautiful and colourful tapestry. 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 Tapestry is a form of textile art that is often woven by hand or with a mechanical loom, I think it's called. It typically consists of intricate patterns, designs or representations created by weaving different coloured threads of yarn together. Tapestries are known for their rich visual appeal and have been used for various purposes, including decoration and storytelling. Personally, I think this is a pretty cool skill to have. It takes a lot of patience and the ability to give your attention to intricate details for long periods of time. I would not be good at that. Which we weave in and out of until the picture presents itself. To weave, to weave. A verb used in tapestry, would you believe? Weaving is a movement verb, but it is commonly used in textile art. Think about how a basket is made. It is made by weaving the material in and out, so the material is intertwined. We say weave, we say wove in the past, and we say woven in the perfect tense. Spiders are good at weaving, by the way. A spider weaves a web or sometimes spins a web. If we take the material away, here are some other examples of weaving where we often use the phrase to weave in and out of something. To weave in and out of something. So a car, for example, can weave in and out of the traffic. It means it's driving in that zigzag movement between the cars like the way that you make a basket. A football player can weave in and out of the defenders. It means he is manoeuvring himself to avoid being tackled. At the party, I weaved in and out of conversations because there were so many people to catch up with.
Well, that's all for this episode. I hope you have picked up some new English expressions. And as always, please pick out the words that resonate most with you as an individual and try to apply these into your everyday life. It's important to remember that remembering vocabulary is only half of the learning. It's very, very important to apply as much as possible. If you didn't know this already, I teach one-to-one online English conversation lessons at an intermediate and advanced level through Speak English with Lee. It's a very natural way to learn English and improve your speaking skills without those boring textbooks. You are in charge of the lessons and as a teacher, I adapt around your objectives and interests to make sure that you are enjoying that learning process as much as I'm enjoying the teaching. If you want to know a bit more about me, you can also find me on Instagram at OneBritishMan. And please, please feel free to get in touch anytime through the website, preferably if you have any questions about my lessons. It's aimed at everyone. I work with professionals. I work with creators. Whoever you are, we can fit around you. Head over to speakenglishwithlee.com for more information. That's all for now. Thank you for being here today. And I'm looking forward to seeing you all again very soon. See you later. You can go anywhere you want to go. It's a choice. You can take it fast or slow. Wrong or right, nobody has the answer. Black and white, what about all the colors? You can go. Anywhere you want to go